0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of tabernacle of praise with you. Now join us as we receive the word of God.
1: Turn with me if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Devices. Devices. We're going to talk about devices. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Devices. God's Word and God's Spirit are what keeps us aware of the devices of the devil. Uh, the Greek word for advantage. Lest Satan should get an advantage. The Greek word, plenokato, It means to covet, be covetous to overreach, then it says we're not ignorant, the word, the Greek word for ignorant, agneo, it means to, to not to know or, or to ignore, and then the Greek word for devices is noema, and it means a perception, a purpose, intellect, disposition. So what it, the Scripture is, is showing us is that the devil wants to overreach into our lives, but will not be will not going to ignore his purpose in that. Understand that the devil has a purpose and a reason to overreach into your life. What does it mean to overreach? Go beyond your boundary. Say again. Take over. Overreach. Going somewhere you're not permitted. You're not allowed. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life and give us life abundantly. And because of what Jesus does for us, the devil's in a constant battle with us to do what we're we're going to talk about tonight, to overstep his boundary into our lives with a purpose, and that's to kill, steal, and destroy. I think one of the things we forget about our enemy is that he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy, and there's no child, adult... Grandma, grandpa, cousin, brother, sister, there's nobody he won't touch. There's nobody he won't touch. Uh, and so, we, you know, in understanding that, we have to realize that he truly is an enemy. I think a lot of times when we talk about the devil, our enemy, we don't really think about what it means to have an enemy. You ever had an enemy? You ever had an enemy? Here's the thing about an enemy an enemy is out to kill you he's out to destroy you and you either have to kill him or he's going to kill you that's a lot of us say i had enemies when i was a child no you didn't have any, you had disagreements you didn't have enemies otherwise you would probably be in jail for killing them or they'd probably be in jail for killing you because that's what an enemy is is somebody that's coming to take your life take away from you and destroy you uh Here's the thing about the devil. There's really nothing new about the devil, our enemy, and his devices. He uses the same bag of tricks over and over and over again on humanity, probably because that's all he has, number one. That's all he's got, but probably because they work pretty well. He continually uses the same old stuff over and over. Now, he'll use it in different forms, but it's generally, and we're going to talk about what he does. Generally, when the devil attacks your life, he's going to go through five quick things, what he does to get into your life, to kill, steal, and destroy you. And it's the same thing that's been going on since the very beginning. There's this pattern that he's got. So we're going to look at this pattern that the devil has. And in this pattern that he uses, he goes from one thing to another to another, one device to another to another, to create this pattern that brings destruction in your life. So the first thing the devil wants to do is bring doubt. That's the first thing he tries to do. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to doubt God's Word. Just bring some kind of little doubt. Remember in Genesis 3, when he spoke to Eve, and he said, Hath God not said? Well, number one, the devil knew God had said. Now, we suppose that Eve knew, but Eve had instruction from Adam. When when God said to Adam, You do not to eat of the tree. He said that to Adam. He didn't say that to Eve. And so we're assuming that Adam passed on that information. But we know that it was clear information. God gave clear information. God said it. And the first thing the devil will want you to doubt is God and his word. You know, well, here's why God said it, Eve, because he knows that if you do, you're going to be a God like him. You're going to, you're going to know like him. And he starts throwing these doubts. And that's, that's the first thing that the devil's going to do to you in your life is start throwing doubt at you, throwing doubt at you. I doubt my kids are ever going to come back to church. I doubt I can ever get over this problem. I doubt so-and-so is going to be saved. I was talking to a good friend of mine, you all have met him, Bo, this week. And as we were talking, he said, you know, because we were talking about how powerful prayer really is. He said, you know, Donald, he said, for years I prayed for three men that I'd never really believed were ever going to be coming to the kingdom, were ever going to be saved. He said, not that they were bad men. He said it was my my dad, my cousin, and and, uh, my stepdad. He said they were very proud men. And they, they just they just wouldn't, and he said, but I just kept praying. He said, all I knew to keep praying. And he said, you know what happened? He said, six months before my stepdad passed away, Johnny, he came in. He was baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, came into church. He said, two months later, my cousin came back to church he was raised in church came back and he said, then my dad before he got Austin he got he had Alzheimer's before that he got he was going to the church Bo was going to he said it was just amazing and he said,I now realize the power of prayer you don't you just don't give up on it you don't give up you know he said, but you know here's what he said to me he said you know I had my doubts, and that's all the devil wants you to do just doubt a little bit and he, he'll build it from there he seeks out people here's what the devil does. The devil seeks out people who are not clear in God's Word. The reason that we as shepherds, as pastors, want you to study your Bible is we understand what the wolf is doing. The wolf is sneaking around, and he's finding those that aren't clear about the instructions. You all gather here and stay here tonight, and you're in a safe place because you're next to the shepherd. If you wander about tonight, the wolf's going to get you. And a loose sh- sheep, that will happen. If they wander away, that's who the wolf goes after. And when we're not clear in God's word, that's who the wolf, that's who your enemy, that's who they go at, he goes after. Somebody that's not clear about God's word, what God has to say about something. You ever wonder what God has to say about something? Go find it. Go find it. There's a reason that you're wondering that. There's a reason you're wondering that. You know, there's a doubt's going to come at you. Maybe it already has. But that's the first thing he does. So, And here's the deal. Sowing seeds of doubt, when that happens, the reason the devil likes to sow seeds of doubt in our life is that it disrupts God's purpose in our life. When you, when you can, and, here, and I'm going to show you how that happens. And, and what happens is when, when, when we allow the seeds to be sown into our life, what do seeds do when you put them in the ground? Well, the first thing a seed has to do is germinate, Right? That's germinate. Get the right amount of water, right amount of ground heat, right amount of sun, and it'll germinate. Once it germinates, then what is it going to do? It's going to take root. Once it takes root, it's established now. Now it can shoot up a stem and then begin to create leaves and fruit. And so when seeds of doubt sow into your life, it doesn't start with the fruit. It starts with the germination. And what is that? That little doubt, that little thing hath God not said it's all that's all it takes. And if we allow that to continue, so uh what we have to do is understand that when doubt comes in, we have to rid ourselves of doubt. How do you you know you I wish we could I wish I could do this. Maybe you can. I can't. When a doubt comes at me, I can't just say, Well, I will remove you doubt out of my mind. I gotta know the answer. I just you know, I can't just say you know, I was reading a deal uh, as a book the guy had. and He said, "Listen, when 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 seeds of doubt come into your mind, just cast them out." That sounds great, <laughs> but I'm not built that way. I I got to see some. So when doubt comes to my mind, I got to go find it in the book, because there are some things in in my heart and mind that I know aren't sin. They're not. They're not sin by by the standard of of the Bible. But there's something inside that makes me think there's something wrong with them. Does that make sense? So there's a doubt as to whether or not this thing is right or wrong. So I go and find it. And you know what? There's not anything that you want to know that you can't find in the book. It's there. It's amazing. It's there. But that's how you get rid of those seeds because those seeds bring confusion. And by looking into the Word, it, it just chops them loose. And as, now listen, here's another thing about Doubt the devil will be sure to bring faithless people into your life when doubts come at you it is the strangest thing that when you have a doubt about something this person that you haven't seen in 10 years that's faithless comes into your life and says something to you that affects the doubt that the, the enemy knows what he's done he's been doing this for thousands of years so he knows he knows how it is don't let faithless people influence you don't let them influence you we're going to talk to faithless people every day aren't we We're going to talk to them. Don't let them influence you because they're only going to bring confusion. Here's the thing. God will honor you and he'll bless you when you just get in the word. So doubt, doubt, that's the first one. After doubt, what the devil brings, the next device he brings, when he brings a doubt is that he brings a disobedience. Doubt will bring a disobedience. It's always doubt and unbelief that bring disobedience in a life. It's always doubt or unbelief that brings it. After Adam and Eve doubted, hath God not said, doubted, then they disobeyed. They ate. So here's the thing. The devil is deathly afraid of you walking in obedience. The devil is deathly afraid of a Christian walking in obedience. Deuteronomy 12, 26 through 28. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which you have not known. See, obedience is very important. So is disobedience. Because once you come to that place of doubt, then there's this disobedience thing. Not obeying God's word. Obedience brings a blessing. Disobedience brings a curse. It's the best way to remember this. Obedience will bring you blessing. Disobedience will bring you curse. So, so far, we've got doubt and disobedience. Then the third thing, here's what comes after there's doubt and disobedience. Then there comes a discouragement. So the devil has these devices. He's used them all this time, and they apparently work really well because he keeps using them. Doubt, disobedient, discouragement. Adam and Eve doubted. Then they disobeyed. Then they became discouraged. They were afraid when God called them. They went and hid themselves. They, become, they became afraid. Then the loneliness sets in. You know, I'm separated from God. Isolation. Have you ever noticed that? When you do something wrong, you try to isolate yourself? Because you don't want anybody to know, right? You know, watch little kids. They're a dead giveaway. If They've done something wrong. They're a dead giveaway. Because it's innate in us that when we do something wrong, we want to isolate ourselves. And that doesn't stop as children. People. Dogs are the same way, yeah. Watch we watch what they do. It's 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 really strange how a person can be living for God and something go wrong in their life. And rather than just sticking it and coming to church, I'm going to pray. They start slipping and they don't. Oh, they miss this Sunday, and then the next thing they miss two Sundays, and then the next thing they're isolating themselves because they're now discouraged. They've had a doubt. They've had it, you know. Then, then they d- become disobedient, and then they become discouraged, and they, they, then they get into the self pity thing. This is the place where the enemy then begins uh, your destruction. When you get to this point, is the place where the enemy now begins. He's 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 stolen something from you, and now he's ready to destroy you because discouragement is a weakness, just as courage is a strength. Discouragement is a weakness just as courage as a strength, and when he can get you discouraged about being with God's people, about listening to God's voice, about reading God's Word, now he set you up, and he's ready now to destroy you. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 30. David was in distress because, well, the people were talking about stoning him. Distressed. Verse 6 of chapter 30. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. The best part of the verse. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself. When there's no one to encourage you, you need to have, in a situation, regardless of what it is, you need to, don't wait till then. You need to have, David learned how to be encouraged while he was tending the sheep. He knew he was by himself, and he knew how, how God put him in situations and helped him out of situations, and he be, he learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. And you need to learn how to encourage yourself, because if you don't, you're going to get discouraged. Something's going to happen. There's not going to be somebody there to talk to. There's not going to be a husband, wife, pastor, friend, whoever. And you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord, and that's what David did. And it's very difficult, isn't it, encouraging yourself in the Lord when you're isolated. It's very difficult. If you don't learn how to do it now, when you're isolated and alone, it's going to be very hard to do. David learned how to do it as a young man so that when it came a point where he was all by himself, nobody there, they all wanted to kill him. He learned to encourage himself. Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's common sense there, isn't it? (laughs) That's... Psalm 20 and 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. These are just some verses. If you'll learn them and put them into your thought process, when that discouragement comes, you can, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn how to overcome your discouragement by learning how to trust God. You know, David was out there and he had there was wolves and lions and bears and all that, you know, lions and tigers. Oh my, all that it wasn't a business. He learned. You know, hey, God's with me. You know why he was so good with that slingshot, right? Well, God directed that rock. God directed that rock way back when he was tending those sheep. He learned how to fling that rock way back then. That's when he got in that valley and was flung that rock. Listen, that was all been prepared before he ever got to that valley. That was all set up before he ever got to that valley. He learned how to do things, and that's the thing about learning to encourage yourself in the Lord. You learn how to do it before you ever get to the valley. Then after that, if the devil can get you discouraged, he's ready to set you up. He brings you into this device called defeat. You ever felt defeated? You ever felt defeated? May I have. If you fail to encourage yourself in the Lord and get yourself back, let's just say you go through this process and you come to the discouragement place, and you don't recognize what's going on, and you don't encourage yourself, what's going to happen is he's going to draw you into this defeated place. And if you fail to get out of that discouragement, if you fail to encourage yourself, what's going to happen is that he's going to attack you at that point in the process of defeat. He's going to come at you with all he's got. And he's going to, he's going to want to defeat you. He will convince you all is lost. He will convince you all is lost. This is a question. This is kind of a personal question. You know, you may or may not want to answer it. I'll answer it for myself. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you felt so defeated that you wanted to take your own life? Most people say no, right? I have. I felt so defeated, the only out. And you see, that's where the devil takes you. He's ready. To, he set the trap. He set the snare. Now he's ready to destroy you. He's ready to take you out. And that's, you know, that goes on a lot in our society now where people have, you know, because our, our society has gotten less and less godly and more and more godless, people don't know where to go. Their psychiatrist doesn't help them. Their medicine doesn't help them. This doesn't help them. They don't know where to go. And so as the last resort, the enemy sets the trap, and they take it, and he destroys them. He'll convince you, he'll convince you there's no hope. You ever felt like there's no hope? No matter what I do here, no hope. Been there. You're not going to make it. Just accept your defeat and get it over with. It's a, it's a strange, you know, I guess having been there before, I understand when people want to talk about that, I understand what they're feeling. And I'm not saying that's where you need to go to understand people. I'm just saying having been there firsthand, you, I understand what, exactly where they're at. But I also understand there's a God that can take you right out of that. Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon, we've heard this over and over, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. That means the things that we've just talked about, those devices, those weapons, they, they will not prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. God didn't say, I'll condemn them. He said, you're going to condemn them. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And if, if the devil has brought you doubt, and he's led you to disobedience, and he's made you discouraged, and then you feel defeated, he's ready to finish you off now. These are the same devices he's used over and over. And the final device is death. James 1 and 15. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And that's where the devil wants to take you to. Get you to a point where there's a desire to walk away from God. That's what sin is. Missing the mark, walking away from the mark. Mark, the mark God gives you the mark you walk that's actually what sin means you miss the mark and so walking away from the mark the, here's the beauty about this is that with God it's never too late you can go through all these d's you notice they're all d's you can go through all these d's and get to the very bottom and get and it's never too, it's never too late with God even if your enemy has destroyed you you can still rise up even if he's brought you to a place where you're ready to die, you can rise up. Micah 7 and 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. When he takes you through this process, he wants to bring a rejoicing against you in the end because he's taking you. But rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. That's very important for us as Christians to keep in because as a Christian, are you going to fall? Those simple things. It's going to happen. Th- things happen. Some some we deem really big falls. When we say somebody fall in sin, that's let's just say they they went outside of their marriage. That's a big fall to us. But when we see the person that said, well, you know they hadn't drank in twenty years and then they got drunk, and that's a little fall because it's a fall's a fall. We're the ones that gauge the big high and low. We're the ones that make this one more than that. Fall is a fall. If you fall, you fall. You know. <laughs> The higher you fall, the further down. Maybe it hurts a little more, but still a fall. And so we have to understand this, that, you know, I'm going to arise. When I sit on in darkness, the Lord shall bring light unto me. The Lord shall bring light unto me. The devil is in the destruction business. That's his business right now. His whole purpose is to destroy you, to destroy you. Did any of y'all see the, the building that? collapse in Florida. You know, that building wasn't destroyed. It just collapsed. But it wasn't destroyed. They they came along and, and, and raised it. I mean they you know they're they're, they're digging it that, that's destroying it. But understand something destruction is, is certain and it's sure and it's ending. It's certain and it's sure and it's ending. It has a finality and that's what the devil wants is he wants to bring a finality to your life to destroy you. Make no doubt about it. Here's the thing. God is in the restoration business. Restoration business. Some of us come from a, a background in a group that, uh, you know, restoration was hard for them. Restoration was hard for them. You know, the, some of them didn't believe in restoration at all. Some of them believed in restoration to a certain point, And some of them believed in full restoration. God believes in full Restoration. God will provide full restoration. What we have to realize is that, you know, we've got to understand that the devil has these devices. If God's in the restoration business, then we have to hold fast to these words that we read, that Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about concerning his enemy. For we are not ignorant of his devices. That's the key. Don't be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Anybody have any I know it's just short, sweet.
0: There's um, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, and he wrote a book, um, Screw Tape Letters, and uh, it's basically a, you know an insight to how the devil attacks, and it's I mean it's really 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 good. And if you can't read C.S. Lewis, he has it on the audio book, which is phenomenal, and um, it's like oh after you listen, you're like oh yeah that's what he was doing you know and yeah he's pulled that one on me and then um priscilla schreier wrote a book uh recently fervent and it's kind of like a modern spin on the screw tape letters i don't think she intended that way it's directed towards women in their lives and get overwhelmed and she's like well now if i were the enemy i would take you know this situation here's how i'd I'd attack you you know and um but it was so good i even had my kids read it even i said you know take out the woman part and it applies to you but it's really good because it you know it in our modern world it's like oh yeah i forgot that's how he's attacking me and so then when that comes you're like oh yeah well i know what you're trying to do so you might as well just you know get go on cuz yeah so it's it's good to know his attacks so you're prepared for him cuz they are going to come
1: yeah they're going to come and they'll they'll keep coming that's the thing he's going to keep trying he doesn't give up he doesn't quit going to keep going you know one of the biggest things i have found the biggest lies or tricks of the enemy is that he wants you to think somebody else is the enemy not him get your eyes on someone else not him some other problem not him some other situation those are all your enemy, and none of those are your enemy. How many times in a church setting have we had a church fight? Let's just put it that way. And it comes out, one person's fighting another in the church, we've got to get this all straightened out. And, you, you know, it comes down to the realization, you know what? Maybe I was a little misunderstanding here. And you know what? Maybe I, you, the devil just pulled the wool and made enemies and, they weren't enemies at all they were church folk we're not enemies we might disagree but that didn't you know that's the sad thing about what's going on in our culture today is that it used to be we could disagree agreeably now we can't disagree at all if you used to you could disagree and you still shook hands and you still hugged necks you're still brothers and sisters today if you disagree they want to fight you and kill you you're a hater yeah you're, you all that stuff you know that, but that, that's all a deception of the devil And look what it's doing to our culture. I just read uh, where a person got terminated from a job because they made a certain statement that had nothing to do with what they were terminated for, but because it was a particular... We have to be careful about what we even say now. Use the wrong word. If we just use the wrong word. I I saw a little bit of Wimbledon. And do you all 'all remember John McEnroe? (laughs) yeah. From way back, yeah, like man, he was tough. He had a big mouth. So he's discussing with these two ladies uh, uh, that that this lady that was playing a tennis match, she was down and about you know about out. It was about over, and so she just called it quits. I don't feel good. I'm hurt. And he said, "Well, that's kind of like that other ladies. She just you know she just couldn't handle the pressure." And he didn't mean it ugly. He said, "They just you know." And this ha-, he said, "This happens in sports." Well, they went to a commercial and they came back. He was no longer on the set. They took him off the set because he was too, you've got to be careful. Anyway, that's, these things are have infiltrated our society to a point where we can't even disagree without some kind of, you know, repercussion. And it's sad because, you know, until we come to the unity of the faith, it's going to happen. We're not enemies. None, we're not enemies. We're not haters.
2: Shimei cursed David cursed him, and Joab was going to kill him. And David said, no, leave him alone. He may say something about me that I need to hear. Sometimes your enemies will tell you the truth that your friends are afraid to speak. And, and you know, the scripture would quote, you know, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But prior to that, it says, submit yourself to God. Yeah. You know, if somebody's attacking me, my first question is, you know, maybe God is trying to tell me something. And, and, and so if you submit to it as, you know, as, Lord, it, it saves you from having acrimony against the person, but it also gives you a, a chance to... Examine yourself, you know, and see where you are in, in you know, in your relationship to them, your relationship to God. But, uh, you know, sometimes we just, you know, even the church, we're just too sensitive, you know. What, you've what happened said, to the thin,
1: thin, thick-skinned days?
2: Yeah, you know, you've said things that yeah. caused people, yeah. <laughs> you know, to just go off the deep end yeah and it it had nothing to do with what they took offense at
1: right so came, completely came unwound yeah and had nothing to do with what we and so yeah we're, we're a thin-skinned society yep. we're a thin-skinned society uh and we were man our our emotions are on our shoulders and our hearts on our sleeve and we have all that out there and you know our, our enemies licking us jobs
2: In that point, you know, the point of if there's offense between people, you know, if you're offended, the first question you need to ask yourself is, have I done something to get this kind of reaction from this person? Examine yourself first, you know, and if you go to them with it, ask them, you know, this is what I sense. Have I done something? Have I said something? Have I behaved in a way that has brought this kind of response or reaction out of you? And if you have, they'll tell you, and and you can you know you can make it right to them. If if they don't have any basis for it, then they'll be left you know knowing I have no reason uh, you know to feel this way. Again, it's just. You know, we've gotten to be so sensitive.
1: Why are we so reluctant to examine ourselves? Exactly. Why are we that reluctant? Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're going to yeah, find something we don't want to find. Yeah.
2: You know, that's one of the things about the beauty of the church is that if you're transparent, then nobody's going to find out anything that's going to come back and embarrass you. If you're just transparent, if you're just open, I'm an open book. Then, you know, the devil and your enemies have no ammunition.
1: Right. You pull their teeth, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Nothing better than a lion coming at you. You've already pulled his teeth. Anybody have anything else? God bless you.
2: There's a principle about that lion roar. When yeah. lions hunt... They get an old male lion that's toothless. And he shows himself to this herd of antelope and roars. And the antelope run away from him, and they run into the other pride that's hiding in the the brush. You know, the secret is to run into the roar. That's the secret. Run into the roar. Don't run from it.